This is the Freshwater Fishing Novice Podcast, and I'm the Freshwater Fishing Novice, Keith. Hey guys, uh, and girls, and fisher people, and all everyone else. Uh, it's been a little bit since I uh, did my last podcast. I think last time I talked about fishing with uh, my cousin's kids, which is kind of funny. Um, some other stuff I covered. Anyway. I was excited I caught 43 fish that day. Um, Since then, two weeks ago, I went out fishing with my buddy Carlton. And uh, we went out to the Merry Meeting River in New Hampshire. And uh, we kind of hopped around a little bit. But I ended up pulling uh, 100 fish in one day. Um, Rock bass, caught some uh, trout. Caught some, uh, I caught a two and a half pound largemouth on ultralight gear and uh, Panther Martin white spinner. Um, that was crazy. Uh, I I didn't think I was going to catch a fish that big, especially where I was tossing it. Creek was maybe five feet across and it just looked like there was a deep spot around a, a corner bend of this little creek. I tossed it right to it, started reeling, and immediately had that fish on. It was nuts. Um, yeah, that was crazy. But catching 100 fish in a day, I was like, this is amazing. I'm like, my first year fishing, I only caught 115 fish. I just almost destroyed that in one day. So two weeks ago, I had an amazing day with my buddy Carlton. Um, then did some other stuff, blew some money, and... Uh, Spent too much, and I couldn't even afford to drive up there the following week to go fish with them. So, this week, I saved just barely enough cash to get up there. And uh, he kicked me down some cash so we could drive around, spend some money in, on gas, and just go do the same thing. So, yesterday, I drove up to Barnstead, and then we went up to the Merrimadian River. It's not, which is not in Barnstead. I don't, I can't remember what town it is, but the Merrimadian River, it's not a big river. It's teeny, like uh, maybe 50 feet across, maybe, like easily castable across the whole river. Um, I got up there at <clears throat> just after five o'clock, maybe 5.15. We headed right out and uh, started a little bit slow. It was a lot warmer. It was 60 degrees as soon as I got up and it was 4 a.m. So, uh. I was like, man, you know what? There's not going to be any trout. Uh, the spinners aren't going to work because it's a fast retrieve. So we kind of had to switch it up. So when I caught the hunter fish, it was between spinners and uh, tube jigs, which if, if you just look up tube jig, I don't know why you would. But it's just a little bit of weight and a single hook, and then there's like a piece of rubber or plastic bait over it with some dangly tails that kind of hang around the hook and when I we when we were catching rock bass um I caught 41 rock bass that day which is pretty good I mean especially from my first time catching rock bass I was like well these things are aggressive um but he had never used tube jigs as soon as we put tube jigs on you could feel them just nailing them and just I was like set the hook set the hook set the hook and uh we caught a bunch of panfish too and I think that's maybe some pickerels, but um, he was like, oh, I've never used tube jigs. I'm like, I always find it 
that the cheaper stuff seems to work better. Like all these expensive lures and stuff like that. I'm like a tube jig. You, know, you can get like a five pack for maybe two bucks. And uh, we were having a success with the yellow white ones. And then I have some green like pump like green pumpkin seed, not pumpkin seed, green speckled. I don't know. They're flashy. So we're use. I was using <clears throat> those another time, but the yellow one. The yellow and white ones that we were really getting hooked up on. So, anyway, yesterday when I went up there, um, I was up there at 5.15. We went right to the Mary Median River and uh, tried to spin her a couple times. That Nothing happened. And I'm like, all right, switch it up. So I switched up to a tube jig. And I was getting a couple bites. And I was like, all right, this sucks. We're not getting bites. And, and I mean, we're getting nibbles and stuff like that. And maybe hooked into a couple fish. But then I was like, you know what, <clears throat> I'm going to change this up real quick and go back to what I, my old reliable standard, which is a teeny, teeny hook. I mean, a super small hook. Uh, I, I wish I knew what the size was. Dang it. Um, this thing is like maybe a sixteenth, maybe an eighth of an inch in length from like where the bend is to like where the eyelid is that you set it you know set the line in so i mean these are teeny hooks i showed someone when we were fishing and they were like oh my god and i caught a two and a half pound bass on this teeny little silly hook uh and just a plastic worm so i was like you know what i'm gonna go i'm gonna do that because when i caught the hundred fish i caught that big bass on this little hook and this little piece of rubber worm it's maybe three inches, and maybe I even ripped it into a quarter. So um, I got a bunch of random pieces that I ripped in half. These white jigs are white worms. And I like the white worms because you can see them as they drop through the water. As soon as they disappear, you set the hook. So it's almost, it is sight fishing. I don't know why I would say it's almost sight fishing. But uh, so I did that. And then, uh, so I was like, all right, we're going to switch that up. So as soon as Carlton and I switched up, uh, to small trout worms, even if they were only three inches in length, with small hooks, they just started nailing it. So rock bass, yellow perch, rock bass, yellow perch, yellow perch, yellow perch. Um, we were hitting all kinds of stuff. And then like, you know, uh, sun the sunfish, green sunfish, pumpkin seed, uh, bluegills. They were all hitting this little teeny worm, teeny hook. So I was like, okay, okay, I guess this is what the fish want. So this is what I'm going to keep doing. And they were all set in the tube jig, so I was kind of switching back and forth between the worms and the tube jigs. But I stayed away from spinners, and I was just like, okay, this is what working, this is what I'm going to do. So we did the merry meeting for a while, I don't know, an hour or two, two and a half maybe. Moved up the, the river where it turns more of a creek kind of area. We were fishing off a bridge and kind of caught a couple fish, but it wasn't very productive. So if that's, ha like, what me and Carlton do is if that's happening where it's just not, uh, it's kind of producing fish, but it's not. I feel like him, him and I both feel like we fish that area out. So what we do is we're like, switch spots. We'll go to a different spot. Either, either it's another creek. Um, if you're driving over like a little body, like a little creek that goes under the water, under a bridge or something, and it's only like 10 feet like wide, stop. Pull over, stop, check it out. Because there's probably fish in there. You might as well give it a shot. And, I mean, we pulled some big bass. I mean, he caught a big bass. It must have been bigger than two and a half because, I, I mean, it was bigger than the fish I caught. 
So, but uh, I mean, you can you can find big big fish are hanging out in there, and you just wouldn't think it. Um, big sunfish, big brook trout. Brook trout weren't biting yesterday, but not, no big deal. I was catching other fish. So, if it's really about catching certain species of fish, this is probably the wrong podcast. If you just want to catch any fish, um, then you should be listening to the Freshwater Fishing Novice Podcast because. Um, we're just about catching, um, that's about it, man, just trying to catch fish, so, so we switched spots, we went away from the Mary Meeting River, and, uh, he was like, oh, we can go a couple different spots, and I was like, I don't know, and he said there's this place with docks called Alton Bay, and I was like, let's just go to Alton Bay, and that's in New Hampshire, too, so he took us, he took me to this, like, really touristy, like, summer tourist area, there's like a bunch of food spots. There's like uh, mini golf, whatever place for kids. It's called Chucksters, like a little mini spot there. Pizza shops, marinas, and stuff like that. A restaurant, like right on the water where you could pull your boat up and park the boat, grab some dinner, grab some drinks, and then hopefully whoever's driving the boat isn't smashed because you're probably getting in trouble for that. But I was like, oh, that's cool. Like I love spots where you can drive a boat up and I just always thought that was cool that you could drive a boat up to a restaurant instead of driving a car up on the pavement. You just drive up in the water, boop, and then you drive back to your house that has a dock. I always thought that was super cool when I was little, and I still think that's pretty pretty awesome. But uh, so there was like six docks, and obviously you could park boats on both sides, so it's twelve boat spots. But there's like one boat there when we got there, and so there's like a walkway, deck area. Um, slash dock and then it jets off in like six different other dock spots where you dock the boat which I'm sure if you've seen the dock it's what you, I mean you can imagine what it looks like so we're looking at it's almost 80 degrees at this point when we get there and we know tube jigs are working and we know little plastic worms are working so we're not changing anything up we're not switching that at all um, I put a split shot on and I had a little plastic worm and I just wanted to drop it down and I, re- I saw some fish come up and try to hit the split shot. So I immediately pulled my worm back up and got rid of the split shot. Um, just tied straight on with a tube jig because the tube jig has enough weight. It's like a split shot. You know what I mean? It's already got weight. And then uh, I started throwing that. And as soon as I started throwing that, I just started pulling fish out of there. And uh, I only had till about 12.30 that I could fish. So 5 o'clock, 5.30? till 12.30 and we pulled a bunch of fish out. While we were at these docks, um, he was doing worm stuff and we were just pulling rock bass out, rock bass out. I mean, every cast we were hitting rock bass. It was like a shock if we didn't catch a rock bass every cast. So it was kind of amazing. We were just uh, power fishing, I guess is what you call it. Um, I mean, just every cast. And what, what I told him, I was like, you know what? It's too hot out right now. Like we're both sweating. I was like, we're in direct sun. I go, these fish. And he's like, he asked me, he goes, fish are cold-blooded, right? And I said, yeah, absolutely. So um, when it's hot like that, the fish don't want to be overheated. Like, you don't want to have heat stroke. That's, it's terrible. So you probably want to get in some shade and be a little bit cooler. The exact same thing happens with fish. So, and I knew that from just self-educating, learning, watching YouTube channels, listening to other people talk, um, I would say reading books, but it's more reading articles. Um, so I was like, 
what we should do is we should walk out on these these docks and then fish back towards land underneath the dock because it's nice and shaded under there it's against a like a concrete wall so it's probably holding cooler than like where these docks are where they're just kind of exposed the wood's heating up and stuff like that even though the wood was heating up where I was telling him to cast, I was like, I think it's going to be a more productive spot. I think that's where the fish are hiding. So we both walked out on separate docks, even though they were only 20 feet apart, not even 15 maybe. And we both started fishing back towards land, towards the dock. And it was every cast, every cast, every cap, every cast. And then we were banging it out. And at this point, we were probably at like 30 or 40 fish each for the day. And it was probably like 10, 30, 11 o'clock. So we had about an hour and a half left of fishing. We were just hammering this spot uh, at Alton Bay. And uh, all of a sudden, uh, a couple more boats pull up, a dude and a chick on a jet ski. So dude on the boat gets out and they're hanging out and we're kind of moving around. We're like, oh, the boat probably disturbed the fish a little bit. Let's move a couple docks down. So we went down a couple docks and set up. These guys are watching us, and uh, we're just tossing, boom, tossing, boom. At, before that, we were walking by them, and they're like, oh, are you catching anything? So, and I said, yeah, we caught like, uh, I don't know, maybe 50, 60 fish between each other already. And they're like, no way. I was like, yeah, absolutely. Whatever. Keep walking, go up on the dock, start pulling fish out. I mean, every cast. These guys are watching us. I just keep pulling fish out, keep pulling fish out. Carton, Carlton keeps pulling fish out. Every cast, we're pulling fish out. These guys are like, holy moly. So one dude comes up to me. Uh, his name was Dave. And I was just talking to him. And he's like, yeah, you know, I own a place in upstate New York. So what's up, Dave? Upstate New York. He's got a place on the water. And he's got a dock. And he says, fishermen always come up. And they're fishing the dock. And he, he couldn't catch anything. Like He's never caught anything. And I was like, well, that's not right. And I was like, well, if they're fishing at the dock, and maybe you're on the dock, maybe that's the problem. Maybe you need to get in a boat and, like, paddle out 10 feet and fish towards the dock. And you can do the same thing me and Carlton were doing. And he's like, oh, yeah, maybe. And so then he was like, well, what are you using for a lure? So I was using a tube jig, which is maybe, let's say, an inch, inch and a sixteenth. Not that long. It's very small. I mean, small. Because the, fi- the fish's mouth aren't big. The rock, I mean, rock bass have big mouth, but if you're catching uh, panfish or, or like uh, bluegill or green sunfish or pumpkin seeds, their mouths are really small. So if they can take those in, it's kind of, you want smaller bait. I mean, I've said it before and I'll keep continue to say it. S- smaller bait, big fish eat smaller bait and throw smaller lures and hooks and stuff like that. So I show him the tube jig and he's like, oh my God, that's wicked small. And I was like, no, I didn't say wicked, he's from New York. But uh, he said, that's uh, real small. And I was like, yeah, man. And I go, and I I told him, I was like, you know, two weeks ago, I caught a two and a half pound bass. Let me show you the hook I caught that on. And I pulled it out and it's smaller than the tube jig hook. Like maybe a quarter of the size of a tube jig. This hook is teeny. And I was like, I told him, I'm like, yeah, I threw that. and, And I showed him how big of a worm I was using. And he was like, no way. And he was like, my hooks are way bigger than that. And so are the worms. I go, if you're, I told him, I go, listen, here's a, not a pro tip, but here's a tip. I go, if you're not catching anything on bigger gear, as far as 
uh, hooks and lures. Maybe even your line is too big because the fish can probably see it if it's too big. 8, 10, 12 pound, too, too heavy. Like I was like, I'm using 6 pound line because I've never caught a 6 pound bass. And proof being, I only caught a 2.5 pound bass and I thought it was a lot bigger than that until um, I weighed it on the scale. I also don't think my scale is very accurate. But um, irregardless, um, I told him, I go, if you're not catching anything, downsize it. And I'm like, you don't have to change your whole line out. But I'm like, you shouldn't, I'm like, your line should match your rod, which I covered in the first step, or not the maiden voyage, but the first episode. Um, and what I've, what I learned from Carlton was I had a two pound line on that, like the smallest line. And I kept breaking snap swivels off. And I covered that in the last episode. So what I did was, you know what? Maybe I don't want to lose as many snap swivels and rooster tails. Because rooster tails, like inline spinning rooster tails, are not cheap. They're 2 or 3 or $4, depending on where you go. And so I was like, you know what? I'll put 6 pounds. I'll put the max line on here. So it's not going to be that thick, but it's going to be strong enough. To where I'll either break the pole or, but I won't lose my lures. And I'm like, I'm not going to break the pole. Uh, if, you, if you can change your um, drag on the reel, you're definitely not going to break the pole. So I was like, ah, I can adjust that and figure it out and work with that a little bit easier. So I'm like, six pound line immediately. Re, rerun the line. And then, yeah, I told him, I go, smaller hook, smaller bait. I go, if you see that your bait getting moved around, like if it's a plastic worm and it's three inches, and you can see it getting bumped and moved and it's not getting completely, it doesn't disappear completely, which means it's in a fish's mouth, rip that thing in half, put it back on the hook, toss it back out. If it doesn't completely disappear, cut it in half again. Now you have one, two, three, four pieces of bait, and you, you had one worm. And if you're not picking up at least panfish with that, then you're probably in a wrong spot. You need to switch spots. And he was like, oh, man, thanks a lot. He's like, yeah, I'm going to try that when I go back to my place. I go, keep in mind, by, uh, you know, the temperature and all that stuff. And he's like, but you're pulling fish out. And I go, I'm aiming towards a shady area. I'm like looking for cover where these fish are relaxing, where it's a little bit cooler. And so keep that in mind. I'm like, if it's cold, early spring and late fall, they're going to be in the sun. They're going to be wanting to warm up. They're not going to be wanting to cool down. So keep that in mind. It changes. And he's like, okay. And then I was like, you know, not for nothing, but if you want, you can listen to my podcast. I have a podcast where it's based towards beginning fisher people, fishermen, fisherwomen, who have no idea. Like, you don't have to have no idea, but like maybe you just want a couple tips that are like, oh, yeah, I didn't even think of that. Um, I told him, you know, and he put a little note in, he's like, listen, so I was like, dude, I'm going to, I'm going to totally mention you, Dave from upstate New York, thanks buddy, it was nice talking to you, uh, yesterday at Alton Bay, uh, I hope you get some fish on, you can always leave a message, uh, with my podcast, and I'll probably, uh, link that up, but, uh, it was awesome meeting you, I'm hoping that you get on some fish, um, check your, check your rod, uh, like how heavy your rod is. Um, I have a feeling you're probably using like a medium rod and you might need a lighter, lighter action rod um, just so you can feel it. Um, the other thing I do is when I throw this hook out weightless with a little worm, no split shot or whatever, I, I, it just, it sinks real slow. So like I'm just waiting, being patient, 
maybe takes 30 seconds, not even, probably 10, 15 seconds. But I watch, as soon as I can't, like say it goes down below and the water's murky. Now what I want, I'm not watching the lure because I can't see it. It's in murky water. You know, it's all turned up from either high water flow or something else. What I'll do is I'll stare at the line. Um, if I don't have polarized glasses, I'll stare at the line coming up, the tip of my rod going into the water. And it, you can see it. It looks curly. It looks like a cartoon pig's tail, I guess. So it looks curly. So if I watch that, and all of a sudden I know there's more tension where the curl starts coming out of the line. And it's slow. I mean, the line starts coming straight. Or it goes fast and straight. If this thing straightens out at all or moves in a direction to the left or the right or away from you, there's a, it's in a fish's mouth. The fish has grabbed it and it's moving. So then you set the so that's then you set the hook. So that's what I look at when I can't see. Uh, if I'm not, not sight fishing, if I can't see the lure, all of a sudden it dis. If it doesn't all of a sudden disappear, it kind of like fades. That's when I know I'm like, okay, it's murky down there. But a fish might pick it up. So you watch. At that point, you just be patient. And I wait probably 30 seconds. And if I don't see it move, I reel it back up, toss it back in. But a lot of times you'll it will just drop. A fish will get curious, come up, hit it, start swimming away like, yeah, I just, yeah, I'm, I ate that thing. And you'll see your line straighten out. And, and as soon as you see it start straightening out, just set that hook, start reeling in, fighting the fish, and then get it up to you but that's my other tip for hooking in the fish is like watch your line if you can't see the lure <clears throat> um and then like a slow retrieve like instead of just reeling 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 you can like uh take your rod from say you're pointed straight in front of you at 12 o'clock if you're left-handed you're gonna go to was it 10 maybe 10 uh, in between 10 and 11 it's almost like a 90 degree pull and you're pulling slow so it's like almost a slow super dragon think about that worm moving through the water like you want it to be as natural so it's just a slow pull so it's just wiggling and once you get to that 10 o'clock you start going back in the other direction but you're reeling so you, you pull up the slack on the line then you let it hang out for a second and do a slow pull so i do it with tube jigs i do it with worms I do it with big worms. I do it with um, curly tail grubs with weighted and stuff like that. Um, if you're right-handed, you're going to three o'clock, but you're just, it's a slow drag. You're almost trying to feel the bottom of the riverbed or the lake bottom or whatever, wherever you're fishing. Um, the pond bottom, I guess. But um, yeah, you're trying to feel that. So you're almost dragging, trying to feel stuff. And uh, as soon as you get to like 10 o'clock, if you're left, if you're pulling to your left or to your right, if you're, you go to three, you bring that pole back around to 12 o'clock. And as you do that, you reel the slack up. Just give it a second, drag it a little bit more. And you just kind of repeat that till it gets back to you. And a lot of times, if you give it a good pause, like you drag it to three or you drag it to 10, and you bring your rod back to 12 as you're reeling it, like just to pull up the slack, if you wait 30 seconds, 45 seconds in a minute a fish might swim up like I saw that thing moving what the hell was that and they might hit it and then you, you watch that line especially if you can't see it so do that a lot of times a fish will hit it so just watch your line if you can't see your lure um so that's kind of important um 
I got a message from uh, Trace Betts from um, Kayaks and Six Packs. Six Packs and Kayaks. Damn it. I listened to it right before I started recording. Um, Trace Betts, Six Packs and Kayaks. Or Kayaks and Six Packs. Anyways, check out his podcast. Um, he gave me a tip about fishing small creeks. He was saying, I can't remember what he said, but he left me a message, so I'm going to add that right now. Hey, Keith, it's Trace from Yaks and 12 Packs. I was listening to your podcast, and you talk about you want to do a lot of small creek fishing. Well, I grew up fishing on the creek, and uh, I'll tell you, my go-to was a Shakespeare microspin setup with a Rapala floating minnow it's the original floating minnow from a rapala it's got a double treble hook on it made out of balsa wood and uh so it floats but also it's got a lip on it so when you reel it it dies underwater so it's really really versatile basically what i do is i throw it out there and uh, i pop it a couple times on top make it look like a bug or something that's kind of sitting in the water and then i'd uh reel it in so man i've had a lot of uh, a lot of success on that so give it a try buddy um all right guys you just heard from trace Betts about what i should try out in a small creek so i'm going to be trying that out next time i go out with carlton or if i just end up on a creek um so yesterday i don't know if i said that i broke my first year's record of 115 fish I blew it out of the water by, well, not blew it out of the water, but yesterday, fishing with Carlton, doing all those things, um, before noon, I had to go out and meet my dad for lunch, and then uh, immediately, I was like, yeah, I should go steal a kayak from my mom, so I went over and talked to her, borrowed a kayak, went into the Merrimack River, and uh, I had heard that there was a spot that was, like, pretty sweet, so I paddled over there, and... Um, Bugs were pretty bad, horse flies were out and stuff like that, but I could hear popping. Pop! Like, like that. And it was just, you know, if you're in a kayak and there's no road noise or people yelling and stuff like that, you can hear this popping. You're like, what the hell is that popping? That popping is uh, sunfish, bream, uh, green sunfish, pumpkin seeds, bluegills, sucking bugs off the top of the water. They come up and they're like, so you hear it. You'll hear a popping. So if you're listening, you can hear it. You can kind of be like, okay, where are the, where's that popping coming from? Kind of target where you think they are. So I paddled way out, way farther than I should have. And I was like, what's this popping? So I started kind of like trying to figure out where they were. And I, I looked at the bank and the bank, the pitch of the bank that I was looking at, I wouldn't be able to climb up it if I was walking like without some kind of assistance a rope uh it, it was almost not a sheer face but it was <clears throat> 15 degrees <clears throat> it was steep 20 degrees maybe i don't know <clears throat> i'm pretty agile but uh <clears throat> i was like i wouldn't be able to climb up there uh, i'd have to have some ropes to like throw around some trees climb my way up there because the soil wasn't super firm anyway the bank comes down almost straight at me and what that tells me is that that doesn't stop when it hits the water. It continues going at that angle, which means it gets deep right there. Um, the, the steeper the bank above the water, the steeper the bank below the water. So 
fish-like drop-offs. So I, I realized that from learning and reading and watching videos and stuff like that. So I kind of paddled over, and I was only five, maybe eight feet from the shore. And kind of the kayak was just sitting there because there was no flow of water. It wasn't like the river was pushing me around. I was kind of off, offset. I'm, I don't know if it's called an oxbow. Maybe it's an oxbow. I don't know. Uh, I'm going to have to look that up and get back to everyone. But um, So I started throwing a tube jig. No luck. So I was like, all right, back to the smallest hook and a teeny little piece of plastic worm. I toss that. It disappears because it's so deep I can't see the the uh plastic the plastic lure it just fades away and i'm like okay then i noticed the line straighten out set the hook and i started hooking into green sunfish pumpkin seeds and bluegills and i kind of worked my way back to where i launched from originally just picking apart the bank where it was steep as soon as it didn't get steep i just kind of took off and then i was like you know what i you know, I'm fishing, and it's, I was supposed to meet my mom later, and I was like, I got about 40 minutes before I have to meet her. I'm going to hit up this other local spot, uh, just a town pond, where I caught 43 fish. I'm like, might as well even out the day. And I hadn't checked how many fish I caught from uh, pictures and stuff like that. So I'm picking, p- picking these uh, bluegills and stuff like that out of the Merrimack uh, in New Hampshire, and... Uh, get back to my truck, back the truck up, load the kayak up, lock that thing up, drive up to the spot that's not two minutes away, and that's with, like, stopping at lights and stuff like that and going around streets. Um, So I went from the Merrimack River near the Technical Institute in Concord, which is a tech college, and I went up a couple blocks to this little pond called White Park. Um... Where I caught 43 fish and uh, super shallow pond. I mean, you could probably walk across the whole thing without being up to your neck in water. Uh, you could definitely walk out 20 feet and not be up to your belly button, depending on how tall you are. Maybe you're a little kid, be up to your neck immediately. But I've walked out with shoes on. Probably not a good idea because there's ducks everywhere. So there's duck poop everywhere. But if you had waders, you could probably wade right out, no problem. A good 15, 30 feet. Uh, there's a fountain in the middle that's they spread that circulates oxygen and stuff in the summer but um so i went there same thing small hook small worm just saw movement on the top of the like top of the water i see some movement i know there's bluegills under underneath the water and they're active so i just start chucking this plastic worm as far as i can which is probably 15 feet and disappears hook set disappears hook set disappears hook set disappears hook set um, just hammered it out. Had little, a couple little girls, two little girls run up to me while I was fishing and they just started staring at me. Didn't say anything because I don't know. Kids are awkward. I don't know. And I'm a weird 40 year old dude with a beard and shaved head and I got all this fishing gear and don't have anyone with me. So maybe that looks a little strange. So these two little girls run up to me and I'm like, oh yeah, what's going on? They're like, uh, I'm like, oh, you guys like fishing? Sure. I'm like, see if I can catch a fish. So I cast out, caught a fish, pulled it up, let them look at it. Um, the parents are there right there too. So it wasn't weird. Like, oh, I'm hanging out with two little girls. No, it was their parents and their daughters. So, uh, 
And they're like, oh, that's awesome. I was like, yeah, do you want to see it? I'm like, yeah, this part's spiky on the fish, so you don't want to touch that. I'm like, but they're pretty cool. They have really cool colors and stuff like that. And telling them about the fish, I was, yeah, it was a pumpkin seed, so it was super crazy blue, green, yellow color. And they're like, oh, that's crazy. And I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to let them go now. So I released them all nice and swam off. And then the parents were like, okay, well, that was cool. See you later. And the kids were, the girls were like, no, we're going to stay for one more fish. So I was like, I look at the father and I was like, oh, no pressure there. So I cast out twice, missed the hook set. And I was like, all right, this is definitely it. So I cast out, had to like wait a little bit longer to be patient. And as soon as it disappeared, I hooked another fish. And of course it was about half the size of the teeny little bluegill or the pumpkin seed I hooked before. So I pulled that up and I was like, oh, I look at the dad and I go, looks like that's dinner. And, uh. I was like, all right, girls, it was nice nice showing you the fish and stuff like that. You guys, you and your parents have a great time going to get ice cream. I'm like, all right, see you later, mister. I'm like, all right, bye. And I'm leaving, and I was like, I'm out of here, too. I got to go have dinner. And uh, the father was like, oh, thanks a lot for that. I was like, hey, man, no big deal. I was like, it's, you know, if people want to see a fish get caught, and you can actually do that, or people are being wise guys, and they're saying, ooh, catch anything? And you can pull a fish out right in front of them and go, uh, yeah, absolutely. Then, you know, it kind of makes them look silly and not you. So don't be afraid to fish places where people don't seem to be fishing. Or, you know, other adults. Oh, you fish for panfish? Panfish are fun to catch. Rock bass are fun to catch. Fish that bite are fun to catch. Pain in the butt fish that seem to be difficult to catch... Not that, I mean, they're fun to catch, but they're not fun to fish for because you're spending most of the day trying to catch one or two or, you know, not a lot of fish. I like catching fish. Sometimes I'm like, okay, this is like yesterday. I was like, this is too many fish. I lost track. I thank God I took pictures. But so between two weeks ago and this week, catching 100 and 118 fish added to my other totals of the whole year. I'm currently at 480 fish for the whole year. So I'm pretty pumped about that. Um, that means I caught a, caught a fish for every day at least, and then some. So I'm going to be trying to go back and fish some of those same spots because obviously they're productive. Um, rock bass are invasive, so it's not bad to catch them. Uh, if I catch some really big ones, which they don't get super big, bigger than panfish and sunfish and stuff like that, um, I might try to eat one. I don't know. I had some, I ate some trout. I don't know if I mentioned that or not. And, uh, I filleted the fish and I don't think I should have done that because the fillets were so small. I think I should have cooked the whole fish, but, uh, yeah, I'm going to, uh, try to target some more stuff to see if I can just get, keep getting my, uh, fish numbers up. If you guys aren't catching anything, remember downsize your hook, downsize your lure. Uh, if, a a color's not working, like, say white's not working, switch to a dark color, see what happens. I mean, it's not that hard. Don't spend a lot of money on your lures. Plastics are pretty good. Tube jigs are good. Curly, t- curly tail grubs, they're good. Like, they don't cost a ton of money. You don't need a ton of gear. Um, I bought a fishing vest as opposed to carrying, and it's a, it's a fly fishing vest. It's got tons of pockets on it. I can fit all my gear on it except for my bass lures which my 
bass lures don't seem to work for me, but worms, plastic worms, rack, wacky rigged, which wacky rigged is if you hold your finger straight out, pointer finger, index finger, and you look at the middle part, like there's three segments on your finger. You look at the middle part. If that's the worm, that's where you put the hook. And that thing has some wiggly action as it falls, and fish seem to love it. So uh, that's how I do it every time. I don't rig it any other way. Wacky rig or a tube jig, which you can only rig that one way. And then a curly tail grub, you can rig one way. Um, I did go out fishing with another buddy, uh, Alex, who I work with. And uh, we went kayak fishing. And I borrowed someone's kayak. Wicked uncomfortable sitting kayak. But I I didn't adjust it to myself. And it was kind of not really I was just my back was killing me afterwards but um what seemed to work those days were tube jigs and all I was doing was dropping the the jig down straight right next to the boat and then just jigging it pulling it up letting it drop pulling it up letting it drop pulling it up and then just doing that over and over again and I think I pulled out 10 fish in a couple hours I mean new to kayak fishing so trying to figure it out as I go without any instruction but what I noticed was it was jigging like you're fishing straight down so you want to be over something or you're fishing towards a bank in front of you Um, so that's when other stuff I've learned already works so uh, jigging is interesting so you know you pull it up drop it down all of a sudden what my rod's twitching you just set the hook and the fish has to come up to you so that's an interesting thing I like. Uh, I'm pretty interested to do more of. Um, my mom's got a bum shoulder, so she let me have her kayak, at least for the season. Even though I have another kayak coming to me, it's nothing special. It's cheap, 250 bucks, brand new. Well, actually, I think it's used. But uh, the Sun Dolphin Aruba. And the reason I got it is because there's a fishing kayak for 100 or $200 more. And all it is is flush mount, flush mount rod holders on it. And I'm like, okay, well, I've had that boat before. There's no reason to spend three or four hundred dollars on that stupid boat when I can spend two hundred and fifty and then buy two flush mount, flush mount rod holders for ten dollars and mount them on this same kayak without the flush rod mount holders, flush rod mount holders. Yes. So, I just did that. Two hundred fifty bucks rod holders and uh, I'm just going to modify this boat and I'm not afraid to do it I modified my last kayak because it was only 180 bucks and then I sold it for 150 bucks like a year later but um, I'll probably do less modifications to this I'll just put the rod holders in um, an anchor guide and then throw an anchor down near my feet and then that's about it um, yeah I might put, I noticed that I don't like the flush flush mount because the poles don't sit high enough. So I might put a section of PVC and adjust my rod holder so the rods stick up a little bit higher so I can just reach over my shoulder and grab the rod instead of like trying to turn around in a kayak. And sometimes that gets a little dicey. So like reaching over your shoulder, especially with the sit-in, it's important. Um, It's funny, I listen to uh, Yaks and 12-Packs trace bets and uh he was saying a sit-in sucks because if the fish pops off the hook in your boat 
um, then it always ends up in the front for some reason. So um, if you catch a chain pickerel that have teeth and stuff like that, you don't want that thing kicking around in there. If you catch a sunfish with spike, spike fins on its back, you don't want that thing kicking around in there and spiking you in the leg. So when I went out on the kayak with my buddy Alex and the kayak by myself and my mom's kayak in the Merrimack, I was very aware to not have the fish right over the cockpit or basically my lap because I didn't want the fish to pop off the hook, which sometimes happens, and just be kicking around the boat and then I'm trying to chase it in a kayak and keep my balance at the same time. So I kind of kept it off to the side and dealt with it over the water. Um, you know, if I lost the fish, I lost the fish, no big deal. But try to deal with it over there and uh, not lose the fish into the kayak cockpit because obviously that's a pain in the butt just from, just from going what Trey said. So anyway, guys, I'm going to uh, wrap this up. I'm going to go get something to eat. And uh, I'll talk to you guys next time. Just uh, make sure if you're not catching anything, downsize. Switch up your uh, colors of the lures. Um, just keep practicing. Um, if it's sunny out, 80 degrees, target shaded areas. Um, if it's cold out, target, target, uh, you know, sunny areas. You know, if it's 50 degrees out, fall in the spring, target sunny areas. Um, anyway, guys, thanks a lot for listening. Um, this is, uh, the Freshwater Fishing Novice Podcast and I'm Keith. Thanks for listening to the Freshwater Fishing Novice Podcast. I'll talk to you guys next time. Fish on.